What's up, guys? It's me, AJ, and you're listening to Housewives Happy Hour with AJ, and it's time for After Hour Tea. Welcome back, guys, to After Hour Tea. (laughs) I know it's been um, quite a bit. I hope everybody had a lovely holiday with their family, um, and Happy New Year to everybody. Um, (laughs) Let's hope 2021 is... Uh, going to be a better year for all of us. Um, But there was certainly lots to talk about that I gathered over these past couple weeks um, for Housewives. So let's get started. Not much going on in the Salt Lake City world, but I do have a um, article here with people. Um, And obviously, we saw if you guys were watching um, this last week's episode, um, which I will be doing a reaction for in a couple weeks here. Um, Meredith Marks has reconciled with um, Seth, which is great because I'm rooting for them. Um, so <laughs> uh, she put in a statement for people. It says, uh, we love each other. He's my best friend and he will always be. Um, and uh, yeah, it just says after hitting a dark place in their relationship, Meredith says that the two began seeing a couple's counselor who helped them realize that their marriage was worth fighting for. Um, she quote said, we decided to try and start over. We just hit some blips in the road and needed to regroup and reconnect. Um, while we had, have had uh, many other separations in the past and at times dated other people. There you go. Um, (laughs) last winter during filming, we were not dating other people and we were very focused to see if we could repair our relationship coming out of therapy. Um, Meredith says that she feels, um, Seth, um, felt very strong and very united. Um, and that they were once again feeling very positive about their future together. Um, and she also, quote, said, It sounds crazy, but Real Housewives of Salt Lake City saved my marriage. The show really forces you to be very introspective and really thinks about the things you say and how they impact other people. I'm probably the only one on this earth who can honestly say that Real Housewives coupled with COVID saved my marriage. Um, definitely she is one of the only people because honestly, like, I feel like the show has a history of, if if not bringing marriages together but breaking them up only because it makes you see yourself in a different light and it makes you um it puts you in that forefront of being judged by other people for everything you say and so i think in this case um going into the show having issues honestly i think it it helped them because it got seth a chance to see how he's viewed and portrayed um without you know because i never really not liked seth i thought that he was still fighting and I I thought that I I thought that their scenes together were very not hard to watch but they were very sincere and he was just like you know I don't want to lose you you're my best friend like those kinds of scenes they tug at your heartstrings right because you you almost root for them and you want them to be be together so um I'm glad that she came out and said that because um I don't know if I could last a whole season without knowing their fate because um it's like that that love story that you just want to know the ending of you know so I'm glad that we kind of know that going forward and um i'm praying for them i hope that they're you know doing everything okay and they're doing everything right and they're communicating well i hope that that goes well um on another note um since i haven't posted my reaction for salt lake city yet i just want to say um my whole opinion on this whole jen and meredith drama um whether Jen has some sort of ammunition on Meredith, whether that be, you know, pictures of her with another guy. I mean, she's clearly stating in this people article that, um, that she's, you know, she's being open at the fact that they have seen other people, but during the show that they were filming, they were not seeing other people. 
So whatever Jen thinks that she has on Meredith, um, I'd love for her to bring it out because honestly, I'd love to see Meredith just shut that shit down. Um, but I guess we'll have to keep watching and see what happens. But um, yeah, I just, I, yeah, that's my opinion on that whole thing. Also, in case anybody was curious about this, um, Mary Cosby, who, um, you know, on Salt Lake City, uh, the one who's a pastor and who married her step-grandfather. Um, so if you're wondering why she hasn't really been filming as much, um, is initially Mary was actually meant to be a friend of the housewives and she actually ended up, um, I, I think they ended up promoting her last minute. And so she, just because she was kind of a focal point for a lot of the, um, drama this season. So I think they ended up just promoting her but uh you're you're gonna notice in the next couple weeks that she won't be on as many group filming things because i think she filmed most of her stuff um individually and then she did a couple group events um throughout the season just as a friend of so um just know that going forward um you probably won't see her as much honestly i'm not bothered by it because i kind of think she's a little bit boring but um (laughs) i guess we'll see moving on to some housewives crossover drama between potomac and atlanta um (laughs) I did see that Candace um, was recently on, um, she did like a recent appearance on uh, Behind the Velvet Rope podcast with David Yontef, and um, she kind of threw some shade, um, she kind of threw some shade at Kenya and Portia, um, because I guess Portia was like kind of coming to the defense of Monique in the whole Candace versus Monique thing. So um, let me start from the beginning here. Um, Basically... Um, this is what Candace said, um, on the podcast. She said, I think Portia and Kenya kind of took it too far. Uh, so you've seen people push the line, but never really cross it outside of Portia, who has proven herself to be the sidekick of all. Um, and then she went on to slam, you know, Portia's friendship with Monique, um, and said, I guess Monique would be Portia's sidekick and they're just the two wild people defending each other, which is very cute. Uh, but you know the line when you have sense, and as I like to say, scruples. And when you don't, it shows. It shows how you were raised and who you really are. Um, so then I guess, uh, <laughs> so then Borsha came and kind of, I, I don't know if this was on Instagram or Twitter, but um, uh, let me see here. Oh, it was actually on Bravo's chat room. Um, this was in October, basically. Um, she said, uh, come on, Candace, you know better than that. You actually had a knife at Ashley. Um, now what if Ashley would have gone and called the police and tried to press charges on you? Let's be real now. That was your friend. You had an argument. It did not end well. However, don't go to the next level. I think that was too much. And I'm glad you spoke up Giselle. Um, yeah, so real quick, um, uh, or or, let me hear. Oh, so Giselle did come to Candace's defense later in that Bravo's chat room episode. Um, she said in Candace's defense, a little bit here in that moment, you could see the stress and the mental anguish and the emotional torment that she was going through. Um, and then Portia said, um, why is she so stressed? And then Giselle clapped back and said, because Portia, she was beat up. Um, and then Portia said, beat up. She had her hair pulled. Um, she was traumatized all these weeks later. Um, and then Portia went on to respond to, um, a comment, um, uh, yeah, it was a comment from one of the other Bravo chat room members. And she said, provoking bitches, um, Candace is responsible and she needs to, I'm sorry, Candace needs to be, um, held accountable for quote unquote provoking bitches left and right. Um, she needs to learn a lesson, not, um, not learn a lesson as in get beat up again or anything like that, but just as in your mouth got you in this situation in the first place. Um, 
it's very simple. This whole situation is very similar to kind of what happened um, with Portia and Kenya because Kenya is super, super provoking with her words, but Portia took it too far with the, you know, physical altercations as she always does. Um, so I think I, I understand that a little bit. Um, but um, let me go back here because I wanted to talk about um, it. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm glad that somebody else is bringing up this whole knife fight thing. And I'm, I'm really pissed at Andy for not bringing that up at the reunion because that was just last season ago, or I think it was last season ago. Um, and I think that, um, you know, like that could have been really bad, but you know, had the other women or had Chris not gotten involved, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, she was waving that knife. She was, it, it was, it could have been a really bad situation. And so I think that, um, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm really shocked that that wasn't brought up because that was a big focal point for that season. So, um, it's kind of disappointing because it, it really shows the bias, um, you know, towards Candace and how, you know, she's obviously favored over Monique. Um, so I'm glad somebody brought it up. So, um, props to Portia for doing that. And I, I mean, I guess Giselle could kind of agree, but, um, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about levels of, of emotional trauma, um, I would definitely say that the Portia and Kenya fight was way more intense than the, um, the Monique and Candace fight. I think the Monique and Candace fight, the, the reason it was so bad, was that um, um, the, the reason that made it so bad was like the aftermath almost. Um, I mean, obviously the initial fight was really bad, but the aftermath was even worse. Like, um, you know, like with Portia and Kenya, like I think they had recognized that two people had, had reached their breaking points. And that was what, you know, ultimately led to them being able to reconcile, um, which Candace is just not able to do. So, um, and I think because of that, um, it's created a rift in the show and a rift in all the, you know, relationships on the show. So again, I, I don't know what's going to happen moving forward, but I hope that, I hope that this cast kind of learns to put stuff past them and not, you know, take legal action because I just think it's ridiculous and I think it doesn't, it doesn't solve anything. Okay. So speaking of legal, um, Speaking of legal drama, um, still on the topic of Potomac, um, Monique is actually suing Jamal Bryant uh, for making false statements. So remember, if you guys um, heard me talking about this last week, um, or yeah, I think this was last week on my Potomac reaction, um, there was, um, I guess, an Instagram live that Jamal went on and did on Instagram, and I didn't um, talk about it as much because it wasn't super relevant, uh, but I will talk about this because there's now Monique is you know, responding to that and getting involved. So, um, basically after the reunion aired, um, Jamal sent Monique a cease and desist letter accusing her of, um, maliciously spreading inaccurate and unfounded information, um, about what Monique was talking about his alleged infidelities during the reunion. Um, and so then in return, Monique's legal team, um, kind of like clapped back with their own cease and desist letter and accusing Jamal of making false claims. Um, so the legal documents, uh, kind of, uh, let me see here. Um, they kind of started off with, um, your claims against Miss Samuels in your cease and desist letter are false, have no merit and are baseless by their very nature. Specifically in your cease and desist letter, you claim that Mrs. Samuels with members or falsely accused you of, of having inappropriate relationships with members of your congregation. This allegation, however, is false and has no merit as Mrs. Samuels has irrefutable proof of your 
um, of your sexual conduct with, um, with a woman you have been seeing for the past eight years, as well as others. Um, and then Monique's attorney also stated that Monique, um, has, (laughs) she, she does have the irrefutable proof, um, because of the binder. So they said something about the binder. Um, and then Jamal claimed that Monique mentioning his phone number during the reunion caused him harm. However, Monique's attorney points out that the following legal documents that Bravo edited out the number from airing, that's honestly the stupidest thing I've ever heard because they literally, they like, (laughs) the only person that could have done anything was the, the crew and they're, they like can't because they have like NDAs that they signed. So, um, honestly, I, I, I think that Monique has the proof and Jamal is just scared of the truth coming out because, Guys, he he cheated on Giselle and had women with people of his congregation. Like, you know, he had children with these women. And it's like, I don't know. I just think he's such a, like, I think he's a snake. And um, (laughs) I kind of hope that um, the truth comes out a little bit just because I feel like Monique has it. So um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, But yeah, his, you know, threat, his, his. I don't know why he's trying to sue Monique. I mean, this is just a complete waste of time, to be honest. All right, so moving on to New Jersey, I have um, just a couple things to share. Um, Sorry, I'm pulling it up here. Um, I'm not exactly sure, um, don't shoot me, but I don't exactly know the um, context of this part of the interview that uh, Margaret did, but I do have an interview where um, Margaret... Um, Joseph's, uh, is kind of throwing shade at Siggy, uh, Flicker, if you guys remember her from a couple seasons ago on New Jersey. Um, and she also said that she would, uh, she, uh, she would bring back Danielle Staub over, um, Siggy, which says quite a bit. So, um, Margaret said that Siggy repulses me. Um, she's a stain on New Jersey and I can't wait until she moves to Florida. Literally a stain on New Jersey. Um, she also claimed that Siggy is a conspiracy theorist and a psycho. Um, by the way, this was on a podcast, um, uh, no filter with Zach Peter. And it was, um, a couple weeks ago. Um, she said, I take Danielle back over Siggy any day of the week. Um, I actually used to love Danielle. We had a close relationship. I feel very sad about the way it went down. I think she's suffering. I don't think she's an evil person. I think she's hurting and damaged. And I think that's what it is. She always feels like a cat in the corner, which is not really the case. I do have a mixed feeling about her, even though she physically attacked me on all those things. Um, and then she continued, continued by saying that, um, uh, Danielle needs, um, adoration, needs love. Um, you cannot be honest with her. If you're being honest with her, you're immediately being mean to her or something like that. I was completely honest with her about certain things and she didn't like that. And that was it. Um, I do think to a certain point that she's telling, like she's, she's being honest about that, but I do have to say, I do think that Danielle is a little crazy sometimes. Um, and I don't think that that stems from being hurt. I just think that that stems from her being a little crazy. So, um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Danielle's been through a lot and I think that, you know, she just needs to, I don't know, like she needs to like settle down a little bit. I I don't really know what Margaret is so upset with Siggy about. I think that, um, I mean, Siggy was a little crazy too, but I don't, I don't, I don't think that her her anger with Margaret was just a big misunderstanding. If you guys remember that on the show, it's kind of a lot, but, um, their whole thing that went happened between them was just kind of like a big misunderstanding. So, um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. So I thought I'd share with you guys. (laughs) Um, moving on from that, I did find, um, 
Okay, so if you guys remember Kim D, um, <laughs> the bo- the boutique owner um, from New Jersey who was close with Teresa, and then they had like a big falling out. Um, she was recently on the Juicy Scoop podcast with Heather McDonald, um, which is a pretty popular podcast. So I'm surprised that <laughs> I'm surprised that Heather McDonald actually had her on. But um, anyways, um, she was kind of she was kind of discussing like the drama that went down when Teresa learned um, that her cousin Kathy. Um, and her sister-in-law, Melissa, um, joined the show behind her back. Um, so Kim said in this interview, um, Teresa did not know that they signed for that show until the night before the christening. Um, they told her, you're filming the christening and your brother and Kathy, um, signed. And I swear I was on the phone with Teresa until 1.30 in the morning. Teresa said, I don't even want to sign this. I don't even want to go. She was distraught. Um, and then Kim also went on to say um, how Melissa got cast on the show, uh, claiming that Melissa sent a malicious tape about Teresa to Bravo, um, saying, Melissa sent in a video to Bravo, and I heard from one of the producers. He told me that if I had seen that video, I would have fell on the floor. Um, it was directly to cut at Teresa. It was to come on and to go on the back door of Teresa. Um, they were disgusted because Teresa didn't bring them in. They were anonym- um, There was anonymously... Oh, sorry. There was animosity between them, and that's what got her on the show. Um, and then she kind of she kind of got a little candid about um, her fallout with Teresa, and she said she backdoors people, um, and this is what I'm trying to say: she doesn't have a soul, she doesn't know how to be a good friend, she goes through friends like I've never seen, and she can't hold on to a friend because of that reason. Um, uh, she did main. She said, "Sorry, I can't speak." <laughs> Uh, Kim did maintain that she does wish um, Teresa the best, um, but when she asked if she was happy for Teresa's new relationship with her new boyfriend, Luis Rulas, um, (laughs) this is what Kim said. Well, he's not normal. I just got a message. I didn't get involved in this, and it's the first time I've minded my own business, but listen, we're on. I got a message from a very good friend of mine that used to do my nails stating that he's seeing her girlfriend too. Um, She goes, Teresa got herself another cad. And he's really no good. Um, she sent me pictures, and I'm like, I'm not getting involved. Um, but yeah, still, uh, Kim still admitted that she's happy that Teresa finally realized that she doesn't need to be with Joe. So, um, I don't know. Her her relationship, Kim's relationship with Teresa always kind of, like, weirded me out. I didn't know, like, what their relationship was. Because she had said that they were really close, but I didn't really buy it. I felt that it was fueled on drama and you know, um, every time Kim was on the show, it was like drama. So it was like, almost like she was trying to get cast on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, which would have been really interesting actually, if she was like a friend of that would have, <laughs> that would be really crazy. Um, she always got invited, but she was, she was always just a guest on the show. So I, it would have been really interesting if she was a friend of, but, um, anyways, um, well, the first part of that drama I think is true. I think that, um, it was really weird because like, I remember watching, the early seasons of Teresa. And as soon as season three happened, I think that was when Melissa and Kathy joined. It was like the shit had hit the fan. Like that was what made me fall into New Jersey because they were just nonstop episodes of drama, drama, drama. Like there was always shit going on. And it was honestly hard to keep up with who was feuding with who, because then it was like Caroline got involved then Jackie got involved and you couldn't tell who was mad at who. And then you got Teresa and her family. I mean, so once Melissa joined, I think, I think the show got even more interesting and, uh, you know, say what you want about um, how she joined or whatever. But I think, honestly, that was what kept the longevity of the show was that drama between that whole family. It was just immensely entertaining to watch. 
So, um, yeah, say what you want about that. But I, and I actually really miss having Kathy, um, and her husband Rich on the show. I loved them. I loved her, um, and Rosie. I loved Rosie. Um, I, I just loved that whole, um, it was like big family dynamic. I loved seeing that on the show. Um, obviously Kathy, I think got to a point where she was just kind of done and she started to see like the detriment and it was just, you know, not good because I think they didn't really leave off on good terms. I don't even know if her and Kathy were still speaking. Um, ever, ever since the whole christening thing, everything had changed between the family. Um, just because that was such an ordeal. Um, if you guys have never seen that, I guarantee you can find it on YouTube, but it was literally like the christening fight was insane. Like you had Joe and Joe who were fighting and then you had like Melissa and Teresa who were fighting and then you had Melissa and Kathy who got into it because she was like, I was watching your kid and you weren't here and it was just so much drama going on. So that whole situation was crazy. Um, and then as far as like Kim, like talking about, it's like, okay, talking about Teresa's new boyfriend, like you knew she was going to bring this up. I mean, Kim is just drama, drama, drama every time she speaks. I mean, she's just like, I'm trying not to get involved, but you know, he's seeing somebody else. It's like, oh my God, give me a fucking break. I mean, when they were making up that Joe was cheating, I was like, I mean, let's be real. He probably, maybe he was cheating, but, (laughs) um, just Kim is just always trying to get involved with Teresa. It's like literally like she's obsessed with Teresa, even if Teresa's not friends with her. So, um, anyways, um, wish Kim the best. Um, but yeah, (laughs) I'm not looking forward to hearing anything more about her. So uh, a little bit ago, we were talking about how Margaret um, was on the No Filter podcast with Zach Peter. Um, I also found another piece of information interesting from that podcast. Um, Margaret would actually be interested in having Caroline Manzo come back to Housewives of New Jersey, despite her drama with um, Teresa. Margaret revealed that um, she's never met Caroline, but um, she called her smart and strong and said she's always loved her character. I get a big kick out of Manzo returning. I think it'd be great. Um, personally, I think after COVID, um, I don't know if her and Teresa could ever heal. That would be amazing. Um, and then I wouldn't be the oldest on the show. Um, that's funny. I've actually said this for a while. I think Caroline should come back only because, um, not just because of like, um, her feud with Teresa, because that would be really interesting. But, um, there's like, there was like a level of, um, there was like a, um, she was like the mother hen on the show. It was kind of like having like, um, uh, like a LVP kind of on Beverly Hills. It was kind of like having that where she was like the mother hen of the group. And, um, so yeah, it would, it would be nice to have her back. I'm not sure how the dynamic would be, um, with, you know, that you have Jennifer and you have Jackie. I'm not sure how it would be, um, but it would definitely be interesting. And, um, I think I would love to see that. I've read a couple interviews and heard a couple things um, about Caroline, but I, I haven't heard her saying that like she would come back uh, full time. Um, however, that would be quite the show if she did. So um, I will keep you guys updated if I know any anything else about that. Uh, one last thing before we move on um, from New Jersey, I did find a um, little teaser interview with E News where Dolores was kind of telling us what we can expect from the upcoming. 11th season of uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey. Um, She said, you're going to see fights that you haven't seen in years, like visceral, visceral, emotional fights after the episodes and these certain scenes and every single fucking one of them has uh, us has them. um, You're going to have to take a nap. It's draining. It's very draining. 
Um, the things that have gone on this season, the next day we were still like knocked out, emotionally drained. Every single cast member. I'm like so excited for the. <laughs> I'm like so excited for um, the eleventh season because um, New Jersey is one of my faves, just because I love um, Teresa. I think she brings so much to the franchise. I think um, everything about everything about her and just this cast in particular, I think is just great. Um, you know, cause you got her and Dolores who've got a lot of history. You got Melissa who, you know, is family. And then you got, um, you know, Margaret, um, Jackie and Jennifer who are uh, Jackie's, eh, but, um, <laughs> I've heard that she kind of goes at it this season, but, um, just the whole dynamic, this, um, this cast in particular is really great to watch and nothing short of dramatic. Um, and so um, when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys tune in for that when that airs. I hope I hope we get a preview or something this month or maybe next month. All right, so we're going to finish off today with Beverly Hills. <laughs> um, by the way, I just want to note that um, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills was actually the most watched um, reality show in 2020, which is crazy. Um but not hard to believe because that was a crazy season with Denise and Brandy. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, just a little fun fact for you guys. But um, anyways, we're going to talk about this um, Erica Jane, Erica Girardi divorce. Um, so I actually found, um, so I found some articles here. Let me go here. Okay. So um, I did find that Erica has been asked to stop selling her designer clothing online um, amid a lawsuit. Um, so I guess a Chicago law firm had, um, asked a federal judge on, um, uh, I think like the Friday before I saw this, um, to order Erica to stop selling designer clothing amid an effort to recover $2 million in missing money owed to people who lost loved ones in the Lion Air Flight 610 crash. Um, the district, U.S. District Judge Thomas Durkin froze the assets of Erica Jane's estranged husband, Thomas Girardi, as well as Girardi's law firm on Monday. Um, so then on that Friday, the law firm, um, Edelson PC asked Durkin to enforce the contempt order against Erica, noting that she promoted designer clothing for sale on Twitter two days after Durkin froze Thomas Girardi's assets. Um, and then there was a link in a tweet directed users to, a f um, the French company, uh, Vest Vestiar Collective. I hope I said that right. Where Erica has allegedly offered to sell tens of thousands of dollars worth of designer clothing from Chanel, Versace, Gucci, Armani, and others. Um, and then here's a quote um, from Jay Edelson. Um, he said, "While Edelson is aware, unaware of the exact relationship between Vestiar, Vestiar I hope I'm saying that right, and <laughs> Erica Girardi, Erica Girardi may be attempting to move Tom Girardi's assets outside the United States by selling them through a French company." Um, oh my God, this is getting so complicated. I wouldn't put it past her, but, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't see that she was like selling anything. So, um, but yeah, I guess it was international. So that would be such a mess if that actually was true. But so aside from all of that drama, um, <laughs> so I saw this before we saw the text messages that I'm sure everybody has seen by now, um, even though they were taken down. So, um, <laughs> So this is a report from People, um, and it says Erica Jane reportedly filed for divorce from Tom Girardi because he was unfaithful during their marriage. Um, so People said the reason she divorced Tom is because he was cheating on her with multiple women. She's apparently been aw aware of his alleged cheating ways, but wanted to try and save the marriage. 
Um, when she was performing her last week on Broadway, he left her high and dry and was frolicking around town instead of supporting her and attending her shows. She realized she would never be a priority to him and that he, and that, and that was her breaking point. Um, and then as for the timing of the embezzlement lawsuit, the source said, um, that that was pure coincidence, um, as the split was long time coming. Um, I did think it was a little odd that he didn't show up to support her on Broadway only because she always raves about how he's such a support to her and everything and that how he's like her biggest fan. And so when she said at the reunion that Tom didn't get to make it, I think that was when she said it, um, you could like kind of see in her eyes that she was really sad about it. Um, so I guess looking back, cause I didn't really know what was going on. I guess looking back, that could have been a sign um, but I still think it was a little odd that that whole thing happened. Now, I didn't really um, plan to talk about this only because it was like all over Twitter and Instagram, but then it like soon got deleted. Um, so right after I saw that, I think it was that night or it was like a Sunday or something. Um, I had seen, because Erica posted, um, <laughs> and if you didn't see... She basically posted all these screenshots of texts that were, like, from a freaking Android, um, really old, and um, all these texts, and I can read some of them to you guys, um, and it said, this is Justice Trisha A. Bigelow. She was fucking my husband, Tom Javardi, and he was paying her sax bill and paying for her plastic surgery. <laughs> Total savage move, move. I was literally, like, I texted my close Real Housewives friends, and I was like, oh my god, have you seen what is going on on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram everywhere? <laughs> uh, the internet was blowing up, really. And, um, yeah, it was uh, it kind of crazy. I was like, this is not happening, oh my god. So basically, some of the text messages were saying, um, you know, okay, I have the picture right here. Um, XOXO, please remember David Matlock. I can't believe Dr. Matlock is. And then that was like, Oh, yeah, I can't believe Dr. Matlock is already calling me and asking for the check. And then she sent, like, the address. And, by the way, I looked it up. That's a plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills. Um, and then there was one that said, Miss you, babe, makeup sex, question mark. And then she, there was one that says, Tonight was fantastic, really, but it would be a whole lot better if I were, <laughs> if I were fucking you. <laughs> it's so bad. These texts are so bad, guys. Um, Good night, sweets. You control that temper tomorrow on the stand. You are in the right. Um... This one's cut off, but it says, uh, is having their special where you get a gift card based on what you spend. Is it okay if I spend? Pretty please. Um, and then it says, I can ask my new boyfriend to pay for it if it's a problem. He's got big dough. Um, and her number was leaked. And um, yeah, her number is also leaked. So you know what's so funny, guys? Me being the crazy self that I am, I looked up the number. And it is real because it's an iPhone. Because <laughs> um, it was like, you know, when your text message, if you have an iPhone, it shows up as blue. Um, so once I typed it in, it was blue. So it is a real number. I did not text her, however, because, you know, respecting her privacy. But um, I'm assuming that that is Justice Trisha Bigelow. Um, so after that, I guess she deleted that like t 20 minutes after she, like 20 minutes after she posted that, she deleted it. Um, but I took screenshots of it. So I had it. Um, and then it was like showing up on all these Real Housewives pages everywhere. Um, so if you if you want to look it up, you can probably Google it and find it. But um, anyways, it was crazy, crazy to read that. And then ever since then, there's been all this talk on online and everything about, you know, just 
how Trisha Bigelow is suing and claiming that none of that is true. And But obviously there's text. It's not really um, like that could be made up. And there's like a picture of like her ass and there's like a picture of her on a bed. Like it's, it's bad guys. So um, let's just say um, we're looking forward to season 11 of Beverly Hills. <laughs> uh, with that being said, um, I did find um, a source from Us Weekly uh, saying that Erica is not holding back about discussing her divorce from Tom on Beverly Hills for season 11. She said, um, the source says, um, Erica will address her divorce on the upcoming season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Legally, there is only so much she is allowed to say, but she has been advised on what, what she can put out there. Um, viewers will also finally hear the other housewives' thoughts on Erica and Tom's divorce. Um, she also says she's going to tell her story and she's not going to hold back. In the past, when they filmed, Erica protected Tom at all costs, but this time around is going to be different. Um, adding that Rinna has been her biggest support among the cast. Um, well, yeah, I mean, Rinna's like her best friend, so. Guys, I'm so excited because this is a portion of her life that we don't really get to hear about. And I feel like she's such a savage in like the rest of her life that I feel like she's literally going to drag Tom for filth. Um, especially with those text messages that we saw. Um, I mean, I can't imagine that any of these other housewives are going to be, um, almost if not as shocked, if not even more shocked than we were when we all saw it on Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that they all found out the same way we found out. Um, and she just posted it on there and then everybody kind of freaked out. So, um, yeah, uh, all I can say is tune in for, uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season 11. They're still filming and <laughs> it's looking pretty great so far. Well, my friends, we have reached the end of After Hour Tea. Um, I thank you so much for joining me. Um, and I hope that I gave you some insight as to what we're going to expect, uh, moving forward in the Housewives world. Um, I will continue doing my after hour tea, um, every Friday, um, unless I specify on my Instagram or here that I won't be doing it. But, um, so far that is the plan. Um, if you have not heard from my previous reactions, I have decided to restructure the podcast, um, and I will be doing the reactions, um, with episodes, um, in groups. So I'll be doing it in groups of like three or four, um, rather than doing each episode a reaction, just because, um, as you know, that some episodes are not as eventful as others. Uh, and so we want to kind of combine them so we have lots to talk about and discuss. Um, so I'll be doing that moving forward. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys are looking forward to a new year of new housewives. Um, we should be getting a New Jersey trailer, hopefully in January or February. Um, and then um, Dallas just started. There was like a surprise and they started last night. Um, but you can catch up on demand or um, I'm sure it'll come out um, again on cable pretty soon. But, um, so catch up on that. Um, if you've never seen a season of Dallas, it's not really that hard to follow. So you could probably start this season. Um, they have two new cast members, one's a friend and one's a full-time housewife, but, um, yeah, there's nothing really super crazy. So you, you guys could watch and probably be fine. Um, if you don't want to start from the beginning. Um, other than that, um, I hope you guys have a safe and happy weekend and I will talk to you soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you liked it, please subscribe so you know when the new episodes are here. As always, send me a voice message if you have any questions or any drama you'd like me to address. Follow me on Instagram at AJ Jafari for updates on the podcast. Until next time, this was Housewives Happy Hour with AJ.